Thank you, friends. Joe, Becca, Jonathan, thanks for leading us. It's good to just be reminded of what to pray for and how to pray, isn't it? That's the beauty of uh, uh, the assembly of the church, that we can help each other grow in Christ and be reminded of of, uh, how to direct our prayers unto the Lord on a continual basis. Uh, Moms and dads, um, we, we pass the torch to you now. Uh, do not be silent. Uh, train your children uh, in the way they should go and be proud of life uh, this week. Tell them uh, about the beauties uh, of what God does and uh, um, be winsome in the dangers of uh, what is happening around us. Um, educate them and uh, we will be praying for you. And if you want help in that area, um, we would love to come alongside you. Amen? All right. Let's get after it. Open your Bibles to 1 John 2.6. I want to show you two passages of Scripture this morning as we enter into our second foundation, the in-arrow, the inward movement of the Christian if you have your Bibles, 1 John is, is way to the right. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 6. This is a great one to memorize, underline in your Bible, and spend a lifetime trying to figure out what it means and how to apply it to your life, okay? <laughs> Here we go, I'll read it. Here we go. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Okay? So the believer in Jesus Christ, he who has repented of his sin and placed his faith and trust in him, who's a Christian, goes like this, after this verse. Oh, I want to learn how Jesus walked because I want to be like him. I want to follow after him. And so the obvious question is, well, how did Jesus walk, right? Like, how did he live? All right, so let's, let's keep going. Go to Luke chapter 6. Okay, so turn to the left. We're asking the question, how did Jesus live? If I'm supposed to follow after him, what did he do? What did his life look like? Luke chapter 6, and this one's a little bit longer. It's verses 12 all the way to verse 20. 19, forgive me. Verse 12 all the way to 19. Here we go. In these days, he, that, that's Jesus, I know we're parachuting into this passage, but this, this picks up and talks about the ebbs and flows or the patterns of Jesus' life. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve, whom he named apostles. Verse 14, Simon, who he named Peter, and Andrew his brother, and James and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who is called the Zealot, and Judas the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Verse 17, and he came down with them and stood on a level place where a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the sea coast of Tyre and Sidon 
who came to hear him and be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all the crowds sought to touch him, for power came out from him and healed them all. This is the word of the Lord. Amen? All right. So this is the second week of our foundation series. We, last week we talked about the up arrow and uh, this week we're talking about the in arrow and we're studying the life of Christ and we're going to apply it to our life, okay? Here, just in a, a few just short words, we see Jesus living his life. We see him living the up, the in, and the out, okay? So let's just qu- do a quick summary, all right? Look at verse 12 with me. Here's the upward life of Jesus Christ. I'll read it for you. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued to pray to God, right? Jesus, living a life directed towards the Heavenly Father. He was praying. And uh, last week, as I said before, we, we talked about what it means to live a life in relationship with God, how to meet with him. Uh, and in short, it was like, how do I read my Bible and pray? Just a good, essential, fundamental of the Christian life. We likened it to spring training. You remember that? Where the, uh, all players, whether they're rookies or 10, 20 years in the league, they go to spring training and they take ground balls, they take pop-ups, they talk about the mechanics of throwing a ball, of swinging a bat. And in the Christian life, we got to just continually talk about that about how to meet with God on a daily basis. What does it mean to read my Bible and pray? If you missed it, catch it on the website, podcast, whatever, um, and uh, we can talk about it further. Look at verse 13. Here we got the in arrows. And when day came, he calls his disciples and chose from them twelve, whom they named apostles. Right. So here we see Jesus Not living just a random life, but a very focused, strategic life where he chose a few men to pour into and disciple them so that the kingdom of God would advance, not with a ratio of one to a million, but one to a few, to a few, to a few, to a few, to a few. And here we are in the year 2020 because of the strategy and power of Jesus Christ. This Sunday is devoted to this principle. But let's just quickly uh, see this passage in the out arrow lens, okay? Verse 17, after Jesus chooses a few, look at that. He comes down the mountain with them, he stood on a level place, and then he looks outward and ministers to the masses. So he gets his eyes, and he takes his men, and he focuses on people that need him, that need Christ. They're lost, and now they're found uh, as a result of the ministry of Jesus and his apostles. And so next week is devoted to the outward life, the out arrows. And uh, if you're new with us or visiting, um, you might be like, what in the world is all this arrow talk, right? Like, come on. And the, the, the short of it is, it's, it's really transferable. Like, it's really easy to talk about pictures because we remember pictures, right? So we use the up arrow to say, hey, how's your walk with the Lord doing? That's not just for you, but also for you to ask other people within the church, right? And outside, hey, how you doing spiritually? The in arrow, right? When you see that, you go, 
how am I doing walking with the Lord with a few other people? Do, do, am I known by like a couple guys, if you're a guy, or ladies? Am I known by a, a couple other women who help me follow Jesus, who hold me accountable to the things and the calling of God in my life? And then the outward arrow. Hey, are there a few people in my life that I'm continually praying for and devoted so that they would hear the good news of Jesus and um, have their blind eyes be able to see as a result of the gospel, peeling back those blinders, right? Do I got a few people in my life? This morning, we put a three-by-five card on your chair. Those questions are not meant to just come out of the mouth over the pulpit and kind of evaporate into the, into the sky, but they're meant to come on into your ears, penetrate your heart, and actually make it on your card. So if you would, be all like artistic with me. Go ahead and draw three arrows on your three-by-five card, okay? And throughout this sermon, especially, I would love to encourage you to press into the Lord and by the end of the time, have a few names under the in arrow where you're asking the Lord, Lord, would you put a few people on my heart to minister to with and help them follow Jesus? Lord, who, who would it be that you would send me to this year? How could I be used in order to help disciple another person? One, two, I don't know. Lord, would you, would you do that in my life? Keep that card, stick it in your Bible, put it up on your mirror. Guys, I know you don't use a mirror in the bathroom. I would encourage you to start using one. Um, wives have like come to me and asked me, would you talk to my husband? No, I'm just kidding. That is not, that's a bad joke, okay. Um, but by the end of the sermon, continue to just pray and ask the Lord, how would you use me in these three areas? Which one am I strong in? Lord, which one would you have me grow in this year? Is it the in arrow? Lord, is it the out arrows? Lord, would you have me grow in the up arrow? In a life devoted to the scriptures and to prayer? Lord, I'm yours. I surrender. Would you use me this year? But what are we saying this Sunday in regards to the in arrow? And we'll start slowing down right now, okay? So that was kind of a little bit of a summary of the foundations and where we're headed. This Sunday is devoted to the in arrows. And so what are we saying, okay? We're saying that all Christians are called to make disciples. Jesus, before He left, before He ascended into the heavens, He looked at a few men and He said, hey, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And at the very end of that Great Commission, He said, and teach them to obey all that I have commanded. Like, help people grow in Me. Help them learn the Scriptures and obey it. Apply it to their lives so that they may love Me and follow Me. Uh, we have defined discipleship just as, as a real simple way of saying discipleship, and all that word means is, is a learner or a follower of Jesus. But when you become a learner and follower of Jesus, 
you begin to help others follow Jesus. That's discipleship, helping others follow Jesus. But this morning, we're going we're gonna to add to that or give supplement definitions to um, that original definition in order to just help us what it means to follow after Christ, okay? And I pray that at the end of our time that, that you would hear this, that, it, that a, a call to disciple others, to follow Christ and help others grow is not the random call. It's not ambiguous. And it's not a call to just some Christians. It's not a call to just the varsity Christians. Because there is none like that. But it's, called, it's an all-skate. <laughs> it's a call to all believers everywhere to help one another grow But it's also not a call for all believers to just disciple everyone. But for each believer to have a focus on a few select people to help them grow deeply in their walk with Jesus. Let me just, let me just share a personal story. Um, you know that we're a church in the Y, which means uh, uh, your, your pastor uh, likes to be at the Y a lot to try to model the vision of our church, to live out the arrows in the YMCA, right? And so I have a lot of meetings in the Y, right? Instead of meeting at Starbucks, which is fine too, I do that, whatever, but uh, I'll be like, hey, why don't we meet at the Y And uh, while we're going in, we can like say hi to the uh, checkout people or whatever, or and we can talk to them, and then we can walk around the track and pray together rather than like stare at each other at a table and sip coffee. Okay, so like the other week, I was walking around the track uh, with a guy, and he was expressing that he's a little bit overwhelmed with the Christian life, right? But in the context, it was especially, how am I doing, Mike? in particular to the in arrows. I'm doing a lot. But like, how do you think I'm doing? And after like a, a while of just like listening and hearing and asking questions, um, here's the question that I asked my friend. I said, are you doing deep work in the life of a few? Okay. That was the question that I asked him, to be pointed with regards to the in arrow. That was our discussion. Well, we, we could talk about evangelism or the out arrows. We could talk about the up arrow. But our conversation related to his life and work and toil within the church. And so I said, are you doing a deep work in the lives of a few people? And so this morning, we're going to let that question guide us, okay? Uh, the title is uh, Up Arrow, I'm sorry, is In Arrow, and uh, uh, the subtitle is Doing Deep Work in the Lives of a Few. And it's going to be three points, and we're just going to break down that phrase. Point one, deep work. Point two, work in the lives. And then the third point, of a few, okay? Um, so let's, let's get after it. Here we go. And I'll try to like organize our time by the way of like saying a point, we'll talk about a verse, 
Then I'll just share from maybe personal experience through illustration, uh, my failures, my like immaturities, growth, so that you have a real practical and tangible uh, way of taking this message, applying it to your life, and multiplying it in the life of others, okay? Everyone good with the direction that we're going? All right, so let's start with deep work. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2 to help us understand what it means to do a deep work. Here it is. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. 2 Timothy 2.2. All right, so when we're talking about deep work, uh, it's a way to encourage followers of Jesus to aim to help one another follow him. So our calling as Christians, um, I'll say it antithetically, is not to just hang out. Hanging out is really fun. Hanging out is awesome. Ask me what I'm doing this evening. I'm going to hang out. I'm going to watch football, right? And my conversation is not going to be that deep, okay? But in terms of calling of my life, what invigorates me, what wakes me up in the morning and dictates my schedule is this right here, doing deep work in the lives of a few. This is what sets apart Christians and the church from other people and other organizations and clubs, right? We're not just like a charitable donation center or a country club. We want to t- do deep work, okay? Uh, let's talk about what deep work means, okay? Look at what Paul was saying here. Paul was telling Timothy to take what he heard, which was this objective content. Take what you've heard and teach it, guard it, and trust it. And give it to another. Not just any other, but faithful men, a select few, who will in turn take this message, this content that is perfect. It it requires like carefulness and a devout heart to take that message so that they would continue to teach it to other people. Right? Like this makes us a distinct people. The Bible, the Scriptures, the message of the Gospel of Jesus. Okay? Now there's a whole lot of things that like, could scare us when we frame discipleship like that. Okay? And I've written down a few, right? It would be like, oh, I don't feel equipped to teach. That could be like a reaction. Or something like this, wow, I'm not a teacher. Or, uh, well, I don't have the gift of teaching. Or, um, well, teaching means doing like preparation work, and I don't have the time, space, margin, desire to, to, to do that, to, to teach others. I'm, I'm not good at that. Um, or, um, I've heard this one, um, I don't have the gift of discipleship. And friends, 
those are all very legitimate like fears and thoughts. And I have had them many a time, right? But this is the call for all Christians to take what we have heard and to pass it along to another. Um, so here's just a practical story, okay? Um, so when I was in college, um, I, remember, I remember meeting a guy. His name was Josh, and he discipled me, okay? He discipled me. Uh, he got to know me, and then he came up to me one day and said, and this is how simple it is, ready? This is how clear it can be. Hey, Mike, I was wondering if I could disciple you. <laughs> Isn't that great? Not very creative, but not masked at all. And I'm, I'm sharing that story so that we'll be equipped so that you can feel the freedom to be that bold when you talk with others. Hey, I was wondering if I could disciple you, right? Here's how Josh handled it in our conversation. This is what it looked like. Sure, sure. What does that mean? Right? And this is me growing up in a Christian family and went to church and things like that. And my parents like lived out a life of discipleship. But when I got to college, like, yeah, tell, tell me what you mean. And he's like, well, discipleship means like a learner or a follower. So I was thinking we could learn together. Huh? Yeah, yeah, I would love that. Let's learn. What are we going to learn? Well, we're going to learn Christ together. Okay, well, tell me what. Well, I don't know. Let's figure it out. What do you want to learn? What do I know? What do I want to teach you? Let's, let's, just, let's, let's just start hanging out, getting to know each other a little bit more. And eventually, he, he picked a book um, that talked about what it meant to know God more, right? And each week, we'd read it together, okay? And uh, I would go like this. I wonder what that means. And he would go... I also wonder what that means. And then he would go, let me find out from the guy who's discipling me. And so he would go, hey, bro, what does that mean? And then, okay. And then we get back together and he would go, hey, this is what I learned of Christ. And, and, and from my guy who's who I'm being discipled by. It means this. And I'd be like, oh, cool. And then he'd be like, hey, why don't you go teach this to someone else this week? And be like, oh, seriously? Right? And that is how he discipled me, okay? Isn't that just like a simple story? Just simple way of, that I share so that you don't approach this concept of discipleship and immediately get overwhelmed. It should be a great comfort to you, right? You don't need a seminary degree to disciple be a learner of Christ and start learning with someone. Um, here's, here's another way to look at it. Or if you're looking for like some tangible steps, um, watch this, okay? Proverbs 15, 7 says this. The lips of the wise spread knowledge. Not so the hearts of fools. Okay, so here's a, here, here would be a good step process for you. Ready? If the lips of the wise spread knowledge, that's not talking about just smart people. That's those who have Christ who embodies wisdom. So those who are wise are, are the ones who walk in Christ. They read their Bible, step one. <laughs> and then they pray, Lord, would you use me today? 
and then they pursue someone, and then they share what they learned that morning. They go, hey, check this out. I was learning Christ. I'm a learner of him, and I'd love to like share what I learned. And then guess what? You do it all over again. So you like read and pray, and then you pursue someone, and then you say, hey, this is what I learned. And you begin this relationship. And this is called walking with God with another person. Like with other people. This is the life of discipleship. Deep work. Not just hanging out. Let's go to point number two. In the lives. Okay. So if there was any, up to this point, if there was any misunderstanding of like, Wow, it sounds like from the scriptures that discipleship is just information transfer. It's, uh, hey, sit down, and I want to teach you the chapter breaks of Romans. You're going to get a different impression right now, okay? Um, If it's so far in your mind, discipleship is, hey, we're going to meet five times, we're going to go through five lessons, and then get out of here because I don't care about the rest of your life. I just want to finish some lessons with you. You're going to get a different impression from the Scriptures. Okay? Here we go. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 2.8. 1 Thessalonians 2.8 says this, So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you, watch this, Not only the gospel of God, but also our very selves, because you had become so dear to us. Do you hear that? Paul's like vision statement of discipleship to others was hey, I want to give you the word of God, I want to impart to you the gospel. But I want to do that wrapped in flesh, i.e., the relationship. I want to impart to you the word and I want to do it in relationship. I want to know you. I want to like walk with you. I want to dine with you. I want to do life with you. I don't want to like just say, hey, here's a couple of verses and call me in the morning. I want, I want to help you in all aspects of life and godliness. I don't want to just hang out with you and be your buddy-buddy. I want to actually help you walk with Christ. And the chief means of doing that is through the Scriptures, which is our very life and bread. So that's what he does. Can I share with you a story of how someone did that in my life? Okay? So um, you all met Pastor Rod. Rod discipled me for 11 years, okay? And he didn't just go, okay, here's what you got to know about Jesus. Okay, here's a couple passages to memorize and see you later. But he began to know me and we began to spend time with each other. and We played sports together and we'd go on walks together and he would bring me along to things. He would listen and get to know me and my family. He, He loved me. And he wanted to impart the Word of God and his life to me. He wanted to take the Word and apply it to every area of my life. Sometimes that meant encouragement. Great job. You're doing this. That's wonderful. Sometimes that meant, hey, Mike, I'd love to teach you and help you in this area. 
okay? So let me, teach, let me share with you one story where he was helping me in an area that I was immature, disobedient in, all right? And it's the area of parenting, okay? So listen up, parents, okay? This is a wonderful, wonderful just story of how I've grown through the ministry of discipleship, okay? So everyone needs discipleship. Everyone needs it, especially in various chapters of their life, i.e. in every chapter, okay? And, uh, and so I started having kids, my wife and I. We had our firstborn, and then we had our secondborn. And again, I grew up in a wonderful home with a mom and dad who trained me and instructed me and this and that. But when we had our kids, it was like, what in the world am I supposed to do with this thing, right? I don't know how to do anything. And so, like, I said, hey, Somebody, help me, help me. What should I do here? What should I do, right? Okay, so one time, we were doing this powder puff game. And by we, I mean the women of our church. And because um, I was on staff of the church, I ran the sound for the powder puff game. Kind of goes hand in hand, okay? And so, it was cold out. I'm setting up the sound. I've got my two kids. Hannah's playing in the powder puff game. What position did you play? Probably some awesome position. (laughs) Okay, and so I lay out the blanket for my two kids who are three and one. I lay out the snacks because I am multitasking, okay? I give them their water bottles so that I can leave them to go back to my car like a couple times to take all the cords and speakers and sound systems, right? So you guys got the picture? It's cold, and I put them down, and I go like this. Please stay here while I go to the car and get more stuff. Please stay here. And their reaction was, no, Dad, it's cold. I don't want you to leave. He said, I'm telling you, listen to me. I want you to stay. I will be back. You can watch me, but sit down, please. Okay? And they, no, Dad, please come and come. No, no, we want to... Listen to my voice. Please stay. Stay. I am going... No, 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 no. All right, come on. Okay, and Rod is is watching this scene play out. Okay, and so I'm I'm bringing them, and it's fine, and I'm kind of frustrated, and okay, so I'm bringing this. Watch out! You're about to get hit by a car. And okay, okay, hold on, my hand. No, I've got this speaker. All right, sit on top of the soundboard. I'm gonna, okay, right? Okay, and then so now they're here, and now we're running. The, okay, powder puff game's over. We're breaking down the. Okay, we're putting the sound system back in the church, and Rod goes, "Hey, could I, um, could I help you in an area?" Yeah, sure. He said, "Mike, um, when we were setting up, um, I just noticed that you were working through some things with your kids, and." Um, and I want to say something to you that I, I hope will be beneficial for your lifetime. But I realize in saying this, I'm risking that you might not like me for a time. Um, but because I love you and I, I really want to help you, I'm going to share something with you. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, what's up? He said, you're teaching your kids to disobey you. When you, when you give them instructions and don't ask them to follow them, you're, you're teaching them not to trust your voice. And you're the authority, you're the voice in their life 
And if they can't trust your voice, they won't trust the Heavenly Father's voice. Teach them to obey your voice. And this, this is your pastor, ready? This is, that, you know, whatever, do the math eight years ago or so, I think. But it was cold out. And they're tired and hungry. And so um, uh, I got in the car and drove away. And, you know, that when the Holy Spirit convicts you and you think about things. And so I called him 15 minutes after I got home. And I said, hey, Rod, uh, you're right. And I'm sorry for uh, my immature response. Please forgive me. And I think, I think that that is really going to be life-changing for me. And uh, it has helped me so much in my, and listen to how I'm going to frame this, in my walk with Jesus as I follow him in parenting. Right? I didn't frame it like this. It has helped so much making my life easier by getting to do what I want. No, that's not it. It, is, it has brought me such great joy to, in everyday life, the ebbs and flows of life, to present and live out and teach them the gospel through simple instructions of, please don't pour that much milk in the cereal, right? Yes, sir, right? not in a controlling way, but praying that they would trust my voice and that they would know what is best for them from their daddy. And when I give them instructions that aren't the best, hey, I'm actually not whole either. Only Jesus Christ is whole. Please forgive me for my shortcomings as your dad. And even in that, getting to share the gospel with them about how Jesus, you gotta look to Jesus and I'm trying to live out to be your earthly father. But um, I pray that one day you would know your heavenly father. Uh, that is a story, um, I'll just bring it to a close, that, that has helped me follow Jesus. And I am eternally grateful for the ministry of Rod in my life. He's helped me. It's wonderful. That's deep work in my life. And I pray that I can reproduce that and help others as a result. Let's move on. Third point. So deep work in the lives. And then the last point, of a few. Okay? All right. So friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, you cannot disciple everyone. Okay? You can't do deep work that will last if you try to disciple everyone in your town. Okay? Everyone in your community. I mean, look at the life of Jesus. He chose 12, but even of the 12, he spent more time with especially three people. And that was his strategy for worldwide evangelism, to pour into three people especially. All right, so let's just run to application, friends. If you're following Jesus, a great question would be this. Who is your few? Who's your few? Like Without trying to control the people of God too much, but give clear and specific direction, we're saying, how can we encourage you to live out the one another's, not to just like random people, but like in the inner arrow, how to love and serve your local church. 
in our local church context, what we mean especially here is this. Um, within your community group, who are, who's a few people that you could build into love and prayerfully, not right away, but one day, disciple. You could help them follow Jesus to do deep work in their life. We're saying here that your community group essentially is like this disciple-making group. It's like this factory where we want to pump out disciple-making disciples. Um, last uh, leader training we had, we, we brought the leaders in, we fed them pizza, and then we said, hey, five, three, one. Hey, man, if you've got five men in your group, aim to know five of them. Deeply go in relationship with three of them and shoot, aim, have it your goal to disciple one of them, right? How cool would it be if there was two guys with that same mission to know all the guys in the group, to get to know a few deeply and aim to disciple one or two? It'd be awesome. Not just for the leader, not just for his wife or whatever to know five women, go deeply with three and disciple one, but what if like two couples and three couples and what if a whole church and every group had this mindset of I'm coming to help someone else grow deeply in the knowledge of Jesus and apply it to their life. Hey, I noticed, hey, it was so fun to see you this past Wednesday night. It's Thursday morning. Hey, you shared this. I would love to help you grow with Jesus here. Oh, I've done it so wrong so many years. Please, let me just like share a few things. This is how it works in the life of a church. So our community groups are not just Bible studies where it's, hey, everybody sit down and for the next hour and 30 minutes, I have 17 points to go through. It's together. Hey, as a result of hearing from the scriptures, how are we going to apply it, friends? Jesus has said that we are to teach each other to obey all these things. This passage that we read this past Sunday, how, how should we live it out this week? That is going to invigorate and excite and like just set this church on fire. That's our vision. Hopefully you're catching it. It's going to be awesome. Okay? All right. How does it play out in the life of a church? We've got a few more minutes. Can you hang with me? How does it play out? Let's go to a really cool verse in Titus chapter 2. It says in verse 3 and 4, Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to too much wine. They are to teach what is good. There's that verb teach again. Isn't that crazy? They are to teach what is good and so train who? The young women to love their husbands and children. Okay, so we included this verse so as to say, not like, hey, friends, within your community groups, go out, aim to make disciples. If you've never been discipled, ask someone to be discipled, but like, pursue someone who ex is exactly like you, who wears the exact same things, and who is exactly your same age group. But if you can't find someone in the exact same age group, aim to be like within six to 18 months of someone, because that is going to be the most comfortable thing for you, and you'll most naturally get along with them. <laughs> Titus says, hey, older women, 
right before it says older men, so I'm not just ex picking on the women. Hey, older women, pursue the younger women and help them follow Jesus in their marriage and, and in their family. Hey, younger women, go to older women and ask them, what in the world am I supposed to do here? Hey, older men, pursue younger men. Hey, younger men, ask those older men, would you disciple me? Who is supposed to start the conversation? Is it supposed to be the older men or the younger men? The older women or the younger women? Who is responsible for initiating discipleship and teaching of this? The answer, you want it? Ready? Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, friends, pursue one another. Don't wait for one another. Go for it, okay? And, and it's going to be beautiful and messy, okay? If I could give you a, some, a little bit more of a nudge, since you are already in community groups, pray, Lord, who within my community group, because I see them a lot, doesn't have to be, but like, if that's kind of the structure, is there someone, Lord, that you've put in my life that I'm meeting with on an every week or every other week basis that could help me in my marriage, in my family, my parenting, in my walk with the Lord, in my up, my in, my out? Is there someone that... that... That's the plan. And watch what the Lord will do. You'll grow so much. Could I share with you one more story of how the Lord grew Hannah and I? You want to hear about our first fight? I don't. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm going to tell it to you. It doesn't matter how you respond, actually, right now. Okay, so our first fight. First year marriage, we're driving in our Mercury Tracer, bright red velvet seat belts that are attached to the doors, right? It's kind of like a spy car. All right, and we're driving in Branson, Missouri, and we're on this main strip, and Hannah goes... Hey, could we stop at Walmart? Uh, I need to pick up some face lotion. And at 22, 23, I go, face lotion? And she goes, yeah. Um, so uh, women use face lotion. And my response is, oh, um, I think we have some lotion at home. And I was talking about this big old bottle of cocoa butter because it's lotion, right? It's lotion. It's lotion. It'll moisturize. And after years of discussing this, um, here's what I have learned, what she was thinking at that moment. Oh, no. I married a man where it's essentially like I have to camp my whole life. We're going to be like living in a tent and I have to like scrub my face with the dirt of the ground or something? Can I not have some face lotion? Like, someone throw me a bone here, okay? Here's what I was thinking. I've got a checking account, a savings account, and a Roth IRA. I'm pretty sure I'm gonna have to open up an account for face lotion. <laughs> like, I was, it was all financial to me, right? And we, we started working through our differences. It's like, sweetheart, Seven dollars for face lotion? I don't even know how much it was, you know. But like, are you kidding me? And she was like, are you kidding me? What did we do? So we pursued an older man and an older woman who were married. 
And we said, how do you guys work out your differences? What do you do? How do you keep your books financially? Like, do you have an extra account for face lotion? Uh, because I would like to know. And she's like, oh my word, I can't believe we're even having this. Okay, right? And this couple who were in their 40s at the time walked us through how to love and serve one another and how to understand each other. And they opened up the Scriptures and they didn't go to the back of the Bible and try to find face lotion in the F or L section. Like, they went to Ephesians 5 and they went to passages like, husband, learn to walk in an understanding way with your wife, right? And they, they taught us the scriptures and how to apply it to our lives and our marriage. They discipled us. We went to them and they helped us follow Jesus. Young men, young women, go to older men and women. Ask them questions. Ask them how to follow Jesus in specific areas of your life. Older doesn't mean necessarily in age. It could mean just years in following Jesus. This goes for the 8-year-old, for the 11, the 12, the 21, the 71-year-old. Begin pursuing folks in the community of faith to follow Jesus. Are you with me? Okay, so I'm going to say something and don't receive it in a cheap way. But this is in Sunday, and so we are going to say... Sign up for a community group, okay? That's not the application of the sermon. It wasn't all leading up to that, okay? But we want you to be in a community group to live out the commands of Christ within community, okay? We, we, we want to encourage everyone to do it, okay? And just practical note, hey, every semester, you're totally free to switch it up. Like, the, your leaders will not have their feelings hurt. Like, pick a night, pick a group in terms of location that will work best for you. Pick a group that'll, that will be on a great night for you. It is fine to, like, get to know other people, but we want you to, like, lock and load in a group and, like, hang out there for a semester, okay? Cool? So, like, even if you've been here for a while, sign up today in a group just so we know because it is our strategy, even as shepherds and spiritual leaders, to account and give, uh, give, give attention to and account for the flock, okay? So as you're moseying on out here, it's in the back table. All right, that's like not the basis though. The, the action step is this for you. As a result of hearing God's word this morning and being like set aflame for the in arrow, I would say that... Um, I would say that the action point would be this. Who is your few? To prayerfully put down some names and pursue. Because you love Christ and you want to walk in the way that He walked, to say, Lord, would you use me in the lives of a few? Lord, who would it be that I could pursue deeper? Lord, is there anyone in, that in my church, in my group, that you have laid on my heart, would you put someone on my heart that I may come alongside them and just like in the book of Philippians says, would help them in their joy and progress in the faith. So the action step is simply, who's on your card? Would you press into the Lord? Would you ask Him for direction? 
so that you may live out the Great Commission. Let's pray. And so, Father, we just, in the posture of our hearts, bow low and say thank you for using us in your great plan of kingdom expansion to make disciples of all nations, starting here in Mainville, Morrow, Mason, and Lebanon, and Clarksville, and Goshen, all the surrounding areas, Lord, would you begin a fire amongst us? Lord, would, would we be marked by a people that aim to make disciples with our lives? We're trusting you here, and we need grace to do it. And so we're going we're gonna to sing about it. Lord, it is amazing. And it is sweet. And we, out of just gratefulness, praise you that you saved a, a wretch like us. We thank you that you pulled us out of darkness and that you have taken us out of the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the sunny loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And as we sing and lift our hearts to you, Lord, would that amazing grace be multiplied in and through us, that it wouldn't just stop with us, but it would go towards others. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you stand with us?